0: We made this. Welcome to the Starlight Ballroom. Hey,
1: hello, and welcome to Shipwrecked and Comatose, the podcast about Red Dwarf here. On the We Made This Podcast Network, and we are deep into our stupid ass daily run of episodes about the Red Dwarfs magazine. So with me at this time, as has been for the last five days, are Carl and Colin. Hello, Carl. Hello. And hello, Colin. Hello. Uh, why are we doing
0: this again? <laughs> We're just voracious readers. It's also getting good with this one. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah. This this is a definite upturn.
1: It is fascinating, actually, that as we've gone along, I do feel like they're getting better and better. The magazine is finding its feet, and it's actually becoming something that's worth reading rather than something that's
0: more of a kind of... Curio. Yeah, curio (laughs) is a nice way of putting it. Yeah, it, it's, it it started out as as a, I mean, it is a tie in, but it started out as a very blatant tie in, and now it's kind of going off and establishing its own its own in jokes and its own attitude and pathway, especially with the original cartoons and things like that in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really does feel like there's more confidence behind it rather than just raw enthusiasm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I w- just to say i mean we'll see it from the very front cover is it the fir- the thing that's made it to the front cover is one of their original comics yes brilliant Shall we get into it then
1: yeah good plan okay so this is magazine issue six dated August 1992. I think we've established that we all know about magazines and dating now. <laughs> and the cover has more Colin Howard art, which has a startled Crichton holding a kitty. And you're right, it advertises the comic, Carl, mm-hmm. and it says Crichton faces the horror of the Geep. Yes. Yeah, and there's I, a free I,
2: free smoke me a kipper badge. Yeah.
1: There is. Did you have that, Colin? And if I you did. did, where did you have it? I, I can't remember. Um,
2: it probably will have been on. It might have been on my school bag, actually.
0: Nice. <laughs> See, this is just before I kind of got got into the into this magazine myself. So I am gutted. I missed this one. This would have been a good one for my collection. Yeah. I genuinely
1: don't think I ever bought this magazine, but I would have really liked a smoke me a kipper free badge. <laughs> I still actually have a badge on my little handbag from big magazine. Do you remember big? It was like looking, but shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, um, they gave away like some heartthrob little mini badges. And I found the Michael J. Fox one at my mum and dad's a couple of years ago. And I was like, (laughs) fuck yes. So I've got like a little Michael J. Fox badge on my bag. And I just love it so much.
0: He, he He is on that list of men who've aged really well. Like, you know, obviously... I think he'd probably argue the opposite considering (laughs) half of him doesn't fucking work, (laughs) Carl. Well, I mean, uh, Parkinson's aside, looks-wise, he's still a really good-looking man. Oh, yeah, he's good-looking, but he's broken, mate. Yeah. (laughs) uh, He can still play guitar.
1: (laughs) Good. I'm glad. But yeah, that was a massive tangent, but I do love my Michael J. Fox badge. It's like proper Back to the
0: Future Michael J. Fox. Cute little smile, Michael J. Fox. Yeah. I I remember reading, looking and getting like, you know, the vanilla ice badge and Uh, clackers for your bike spokes. I
2: I never got looking. My My sister got smash hits and fast forward. I used to get yeah. fast forwards, I, I used to mainly, at that point, it was uh, the Beano and then the Red Dwarfs magazine and mm-hmm. then uh, onto Enemy
1: Kerrang, and all that lot. Do you know, I do feel like magazines are a lost thing. If mm-hmm. I want a magazine now, I'll get the digital copy and not the shit ones like we're reading with the Red Dwarfs magazine, like an actual nice digital copy. W- ones where if the text is read on a purple background, you can read it.
2: Well, quite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I used to read, say I was growing up in a in a newsagent, so I'd read this magazine and probably around about the same time, or well, not long after, I started reading Loaded. Wow, <laughs> that's a blast from the past. Fucking Loaded. But, and no one believed me for this, for initially, because the one I read didn't have like a page three girl or anyone on it, it had Dennis Leary on it. Yeah, Uh, the comedian and I wanted to read about that guy because he looked interesting and it was only after I started (laughs) reading I was like there's lots of pictures of women in here and then then the next one it was back to like I think it was like Joe Guest or somebody Joe Guest Jesus wept (laughs) I
1: used to buy a squire because I didn't want the kind of smutty fucking loaded stuff that's because I'm bent I was going to say you're not really the target market are you (laughs) well, <laughs> I'm not the target market for a squire either. I, I never wear
0: man perfume, and I'm not
1: particularly sophisticated.
0: That—that <laughs> that was the thing when you used to open the magazines, and they'd have the sample of perfume. You'd have to rip open yeah. the the thing. God, you know, I did one of those. Opened one of those ones. Went. It was like a bomb going off of just musk. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've got
2: uh, from doing free with this month's issue. I've bought some old Q magazines. And there's a few of those that have got those in there. And I have to be really careful because 30-year-old ones of those is probably going to be toxic.
0: <laughs> shit, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what Agent Orange is. It's high karate that's just gone off. <laughs> <laughs> These youngsters
1: with their fucking digital magazines, they will miss out on the smelly-ass yeah. shit. Lucky yeah. bastards. Didn't get it in this magazine though. It was just all
2: no. 2000 AD adverts. True that.
1: <laughs> yeah. First up is the comic strip, and it's a Gelf. It's, got, <laughs> it's about a
2: Gelf called a Geep. It's a Geep, a genetically engineered adaptable pet.
1: But that's a Gelf. It's genetically agree. Yeah. Bleh, genetically. Ex- engineered whatever e stands. Thank you. Fuck.
2: Genetically engineered life
1: form. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, specifically um, a a geep. And it's a story about how this little bastard kind of runs riot on Red Dwarf. And all I thought was, I know about the telepathic domination, but I still kind of want one. (laughs) Well, this comic strip, I remember
2: so vividly that it's all framed around it. It starts with them all playing Scrabble. And uh, Rimmer is trying to cheat by trying to play a word, Yizox uh which he claims is the plutonian word for teeth now this uh-huh. is this is an incredibly obscure comic that not very many people will have read but i on more than one occasion have tried to play yizox when i've played scrabble as a result of this <laughs> and obviously nobody in the universe would have got the
1: reference <laughs> have you never tried to play
2: Yiz-
0: <laughs> occasionally yeah maybe that didn't go in because they didn't know how to write it down
1: (laughs) (laughs) but this is just a lovely little fun self-contained story again whoever's
0: writing these is doing just a great job it made me think because some of these obviously at the time grant naylor were you know writing everything i think this was when they just started directing everything but if these could be if not episodes then it would have been a bit early at the time, but the same way that Doctor Who used to do webisodes in between the full episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, this yet. would make a, a fun little like 10-minute thing that they could have done for, you know, I don't know, children in need or yeah. or something like that. Because it's, like you say, it's, it's a lovely... As soon as I saw the cover of The Geep and then read what it was... I was like, Mark's going to be all over this. <laughs> you <laughs> yes. weren't wrong.
1: I definitely think that it would be so cool to see a geep in the main show. They could definitely have a 30-minute episode on this. <laughs> and uh, you said whoever it was that
2: wrote it, comic strip written by Anne Wright, who has, I don't think has written any of the others that we've read so far.
0: No, she hasn't.
2: No. I I did a search right. for her name, and unfortunately, because she's got such a generic name, I was getting loads of other handwrites and couldn't find which particular one this was. But the uh, the artwork is Vince Danks, who's done a lot of work with um, Doctor Who Comics and uh, Marvel UK.
1: Right. Fair enough. That makes a lot of sense. It's <laughs> just superb quality. Yeah, it's great. Next up is The Art of Lying, which is an article written by Crichton. And it confirms what I thought was really, really interesting because we, we speculated about this on the episode covering it, it confirms that Limeode was engaged when he told Hudson that there's no Silicon Heaven. Exactly. Yes, I had that in my notes. I thought that was really fascinating, and I wonder whether or not that was okayed by Grant and Naylor. <laughs> I think it probably was,
2: because in the interview with them, it's this. I think it's in the interview... With Grant and Naylor, it says something about getting things okayed with them Hmm. that they've put in the magazine. So I I think that would be one of the things that they probably would have checked with him.
1: Yeah, because it's quite a big deal. Because I think it was originally deliberately quite ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I I do like the fact that, obviously, they've got, like, memes of of things that come up every now and again in red dwarf for things to be criticized that are obviously things that were around in 1990 and at yes. the time you know uh, sorry 92 this was so there's some of the the lies that he's got are mm, that pot noodle was delicious neighbors is an excellent <laughs> television program i really ha- hope we haven't missed the american wrestling which I thought you two guys had particularly... (laughs) How I do wish the Bay City Rollers would stage a comeback. Uh, And obviously, Mr. Rimmer, sir, you truly are a wonderful human being.
1: The 90s cultural references are strong here. Some of them
2: are 90s, but Bay City Rollers is
1: 70s. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't they come back, though,
2: mid-90s? I'm sure they did. I think they've, they've had various comebacks, but I don't think that...
0: Uh, I think they were still aimed at the people that liked them in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all, yeah. also, pot, pot noodle, I think, is a gag that's probably never going to die. It's nice. You know, even, like, kids who've never had one, the parents probably at a young age probably seem to one to say, like, try that, that's what terrible food tastes like. <laughs> never complain about my cooking again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I thought it was a fun little article. I really like the stuff that's written in character.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. It, 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 and they're getting better at it
2: as well. Because mm. there's some yeah. of them that, that have missed the mark a bit earlier on. Um, mm. But yeah, this, it reads in Crichton's voice. Yeah, it does. It could be written by Grant and Naylor.
1: So, yeah, it's all good. Mm. Next up is the Grant Naylor interview. Why do they insist on being Grant Naylor? Everyone knows that you're Rob Grant and Doug Naylor, and they seem to have done this for for forever. Well, at that point, they were, but then not long after, they weren't. Well, true. (laughs) But they both get interviewed at the same time, which is new compared to the previous issues where they had... Each cast member, the five original cast members, yeah. first. What I thought was
2: interesting in this one is there are no photographs of them at all. No, they've got uh, pictures of the uh, the two book covers, but then on the last page, it's just got the Grant Naylor logo, just yeah, not taking up
1: a third of the page. <laughs> and they describe themselves as a uni
0: mind, which is kind of sad considering what's happened recently. Yeah it's been interesting reading these again seeing because th- i think as long time fans we all kind of know the origin stories and things like that but this to me's been quite interesting little little facts that um things that like paul jackson said to them like right it's going to be like the young ones just two series and that'll be it yeah mm. and i thought i thought that was interesting and the fact that, I mean, it's sort of well-known that, that Paul Jackson sent it off to uh, Craig Charles to make sure it wasn't racist. Yes. Huh. And they, they almost seem slightly baffled by that in this interview. Mm. <laughs> Which kind of made me go, you know what, as as a writer, it, well, as someone who's written uh, for things, if if I handed it to my producer and he just goes, I'm going to send it off to someone to make sure it's not racist, people <laughs> be like, hang on. Not racist, (laughs) you know. Just be a little, yeah. You say that, but there's a
1: lot of um, what's called sensitivity reading now, where they get people who are trained in equality to double check that nothing's missing the mark. So. Yeah. That's actually quite
0: forward planning, really. Yeah. Oh yeah, but it it just it just amused me that it they didn't I I I thought originally that they gave it to Paul Jackson and said can you check this? <laughs> I didn't realize they'd given it to him not thinking that and Paul Jackson just went okay I'm just going to go off with this. And <laughs> shit, it's <laughs> out racist. I th- I
2: thought it was quite interesting the bit in there where they they explained that actually even though it looks like they've got way more budget later on. That series five has got less budget than series one had. Yeah, and it's it's the budget has actually reduced as they've gone along, despite the fact that it's looked better. They've just learned to do things, which
0: is crazy. Yeah, it's. I think it was sort of as as the time of recording. I think it was on the website, on their website or on their Facebook page. They were talking about Mel Bibby, right? Uh, the set designer who I believe yeah. has passed away. A few years ago now. Yeah, yeah. But just sort of saying how much stuff uh he did. And yeah. he's he's the reason why everything in like series three onwards looks better because he just figured out, right, we've got no money. How do we make no money not look crap? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Which is it, it did a bloody good job of it. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah absolutely absolutely
1: but this interview is really quite deep you know it goes into the origins of red dwarf and talks about how it was written 3 years before it was accepted they got rejected by the bbc and they mention stuff like dad and mm. how they lost norman and stuff like that really quite
0: mm. insider knowledge kind yeah. of level and they they talk about they haven't started the third red dwarf novel and it turns out that um, Doug Naylor will end up writing it on his own. Yeah,
2: because yeah. that's when they split. Yeah. Yeah. Because
0: they, they, there's two third Red Dwarf novels
2: because they're both parallel. Yeah. Storylines yeah. branching off with one writing each one.
1: And they also talk about how they're worried about losing Chris Barry to Britas, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah. And then they mentioned losing Robert to Red Dwarf USA, and it, you know if both of those things had happened, Series Six wouldn't have happened. And Series Six, <laughs>
0: no gunmen. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's interesting because what what's the last episode of Five? Is it uh, Back to Reality? It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, I, d- I don't know if that would have worked as an end. I mean, it's a, obviously every, it's an excellent episode, but I don't know if that would have worked as a. Finish?
2: No, I think it would. I think it was planned as it. it I mean, we, I've I've not rewatched it yet because um, we've not recorded that series yet. But um, I I do think that it it's got that there's bits in there that it could have worked as an ending. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's it's less cliffhanger than the
0: ending of series six. Anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite <laughs> better dead than Smeg, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I mean, six is pretty much them just, like, trying to bend the BBC over a barrel. They'd be like, give us another series. (laughs) Yeah. Next up is
1: another Holograms, which we're used to. But the thing I did quite like was there was a request for hot lager with croutons recipe, (laughs) which did tickle me. The bit that I found quite
2: notable in that, um I've been reading old uh, Mean Machine Sega magazines and nice. uh, old Games Master magazines as well.
1: Nice! And
2: this made me think. So you've got a letter in here where somebody has basically written in and said, me and my younger brother were both keen Red Dwarf fans and I've un- always wondered what the scrolling text at the beginning of Backwards was you know the one that scrolls so fast you can't read it yeah uh, so we with the use of some nifty video equipment with freeze frame facilities my brother was able to write it out that's a fake letter there is no <laughs> way that that is a real letter because that is it's like in the the previous issue there was the um translation of the the bit in backwards they're putting out little bits of information in this and it reminds me of the same way that the cheats in computer game magazines at the time, most of these will have been released by Sega or Nintendo, will have yeah, released these to the magazines to say, is the level select for Sonic 2 or, or something like and that. And that's the
1: thing. The backwards text was a massive rarity, and it would have been a big deal, actually, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to play stuff backwards like
2: that was not easy. No. Um, and, and to slow it down wouldn't be easy with... You, you could... If you kept pausing it on a uh, a video, I mean, that's not going to be easy because you're going to have all the lines of it jumping about all
1: over the place. So unless yeah. you've got really high-quality VCR. Having uh, done it recently on Netflix, it's still fucking hard. Yeah. yeah. I did it for when we did backwards, and I expected it to be easy, but Netflix doesn't allow you to kind of move free from I had to pause and unpause, and I, I, I lost my temper. <laughs> And if I'd known it was in this fucking magazine, I could have just looked it up, couldn't I? Balls.
2: I'm fairly certain if you could have, even if you didn't know it was in the magazine, you could have Googled it. Oh, Colin, this is not helping. (laughs) Well, it is. It's very helpful. It's just a couple of months too late. (laughs) Should have asked me at the time.
0: Well, yeah. Anyway. The, the, The letter where they said, oh, with some very high tech equipment, they're from the University of York. Yeah. Which makes media students with just from having done that, just media students with the full desk and everything just with the uh, this the editing wheel. Just going. Yeah. <laughs> just, um, <laughs> I can imagine if they if this is real and they did do that, that would have taken hours. So nerdy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> next up subversively is the advert for next issue.
1: And I was like, what? And it tells us that we're getting a Jake Bullet comic. Future Echoes will continue. There's an interview, there's a fun page, and there's a list of profile. There is. But you'll have to wait till tomorrow to hear about that one. Yeah. (laughs) Next up is The Name Game, which is a script that's described as a transcribed recorder of Red Dwarf audio files. Yes. And, yeah, it's... (laughs) Surprisingly funny. <laughs> this is another one that I absolutely remember
2: from uh, from being a kid, because it's the they're all discussing what the it, it's like a, a word association game with you know what what do you associate from uh, each other's name like Holly for instance and uh, yeah you know they're all talking about Christmas and that kind of thing. Lister says uh, the Hollies, which is his dad's favourite band. Which is I've been listening to the Hollies a fair bit recently because Tracy, my co-host on Dig Music, keeps choosing Hollies songs on our best of year episodes because they were her mum and dad's favourite band. And uh, there's one particular joke in here when they get to. I was going rimmer, to
1: mention this
2: same joke. Yes, I, I thought you might. I definitely did not get that joke when I was ten.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a joke about rimming, <laughs> and. I definitely did not know what rimming was till I came out. Oh, but dear. this does go back to what we've said. Who the fuck is this magazine for? Because a rimming joke is completely inappropriate <laughs> if it's if this is aimed
0: at twelve-year-olds. But... I like the fact that the transcript says like, oh, at this point the audio bank's cut out. It's like if <laughs> it should have really sort of like if it, it didn't cut out during the actual. This is what rimmer means. <laughs> it, it cut out just after. Just. Uh, just quickly with the Hollies thing, I do like the, the joke of what Rimmer saying, what, his, uh, what the Hollies would sing. Just the, uh, he ain't heavy, he's a smegging hologram. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I also like how they contextualise it that this is as per Space Corps directives, kind of very much going into the new running gag, which they really love their Red Dwarf, the people doing this. And it's nice to see. And. The other thing was the character photos had phonetic alphabet spellings underneath. And I mean, do a lot of linguists like Red Dwarf? I mean, I like linguistics and Red Dwarf, but I don't feel like I'm in the majority there. What you've got to remember is a lot of nerds
2: of different types like Red Dwarf. And there are do language that. nerds, there are sci-fi nerds, there are mass nerds, there are music nerds, obviously. <laughs>
1: there are nerds of all kinds. <laughs> <laughs> True, and we're all brilliant. Imagine yeah. being normal. Who'd want to be fucking normal? Next up is the episode guide for series five, <laughs> which gives you a brief synopsis, gives you some stills, gives you some cast notes. Mm, meh.
0: Yeah. Last one. Thank fuck. Yeah. The only thing in there that I thought was was kind of interesting was it says that Simon Day is in Hollow Ship. Who I'm pretty. Simon Day is the guy from the Fast Show, isn't he? Yeah. I don't remember him being in it. Neither do I, but I'll look out for him when I watch (laughs) it. And that uh, John, uh, the Inquisitor is John Doherty. So this was before he was Jack Doherty. Well, there's Uh, only two. I've just watched, uh, spoilers, because we're recording
1: relatively soon on that. I've just watched Hollow Ship. And there's only two characters he can play. And that is um, Captain, what's his face? Captain Platini. It's definitely not him. He, obviously, he doesn't play the Russian woman, but I'm trying to remember his name. I've just watched it. Uh, Randy fuck. Navarro. That's it. Randy Navarro. Do you know what? I only just, because I didn't actually
2: read uh, the episode guide. I just went, it's another fucking episode guide and skipped over it.
1: Yeah, fuck the episode guide.
2: How would I never realise that Nirvana Crane, who I obviously have seen lots of times because I've seen Hollow Ship, is Jane Horrocks? I did not know
0: I'd not noticed that that was her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. This this show, and I'm trying to think. Of the, there's another one that's kind of dropped dropped out of my brain that will get a lot of people in who go on to be bigger. Yeah, it's yeah I, yeah, and it's it's interesting to to see that as um. It's slightly off piece, but um, things like Kevin Smith's films tend to get people in who go on to be huge. Yeah. yeah like, if right. you've ever seen Jane Silent Bob strike back, like one of the uh, antagonists in that is Will Ferrell, but nobody yeah. really knew who Will Ferrell was. Next up is
1: the only pinup. Having whined yesterday about too many pinups, there's only one, and it's Sebastian and Andy from Back to Reality for some reason.
0: I feel that Craig Charles's wig in Back to Reality is underappreciated because it doesn't come that long (laughs) after um, Ace Rimmer. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's a hell of a wig. It (laughs) is.
1: Next up is the Future Echoes comic strip. And I feel like Future Echoes wasn't longer than the end in the tell show but the comic strip is going to last longer in the comic for some reason yes. have they reduced the number of pages because they've added another comic strip is that what's happened i don't think they've reduced the
2: number
0: of pages it's a long one this this section mm. it's uh it's interesting to see how the how did i do what scene uh, it's done, and that's probably why it's longer, because it's, it's so many panels.
1: Yeah, the déjà vu thing doesn't work very well in a comic, unfortunately. What I do like is the
2: uh, the monorail at the start and the bit where yeah. it is fashoon. I like that. It also <laughs> emphasises
1: just how fucking big Red Dwarf is, which you don't really get the scale of in the show because they just simply didn't have the budget. So I liked that.
0: And they're in the mall as well, which I thought was quite cool. Yeah, what would be interesting to do? They'll never do this, but it, I've always gone on during this week's episodes about how uh, how I'd love to see them explore more of the ship. Them doing a Dawn of the Dead in the Red Dwarf shopping mall somehow <laughs> would be amazing. hilarious because it's just yeah, showing more of the ship.
1: I do question whether you need a shopping mall for a crew of less than two hundred. <laughs>
0: It's it's been one of the things though over the series, hasn't it? It's it, it's you know, listers was it one six nine? Yeah, but then the, it's it's almost like a Kachansky thing with continuity on how many people are actually on the ship. Oh yeah, they increase it to a
1: thousand in justice, don't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's I think at one point it's like somebody says it's like three thousand or something like that. It's I think it's only after a couple of series where Grant Naylor kind of hammer down how many people were actually on the ship. Yeah, mm, Doesn't matter, don't care. Red Dwarf, wibbly Wobbly, timey-wimey. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> and, and the toaster's in this one, which is good. Yes. <laughs> Although Holly looks like this is an obscure reference, because they change up how some of the characters look a bit. Holly looks like the guy from Dark Shadows. <laughs> <laughs> the original one. It's just like he doesn't look like Norman Love it at all to me. Mm. But having said that, I think the cat is drawn probably the best he's been drawn in all the strips, especially with the zebra jacket and the the waistcoat and that. He just looks, you know, pretty spot on in this one.
1: Again, budgetary,
0: it feels like he's just that little bit more catty
1: yeah. in the comics than he is in the telly show. Yeah, it's it's not consistent
2: with the things being drawn well though because there's definitely one panel where lister looks like a very racist japanese caricature
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) which he isn't obviously also i noticed i'm guessing that the artist for this did some work on 2000 ad because there's the the section in the comic where uh, you see the london jets poster when they're looking at all the photographs i swear that's judge death it does look like Judge Death, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it does. Just, just a little drop in there from, from 2000 AD.
1: Then we get some ads. We've got ads for Superman, Max mm. Athletic's trading cards, and some fantasy books by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. I, d- I do think it's interesting, though, that
2: the adverts are all stuck at the end, whereas previous yeah. ones have been throughout mm. the whole thing.
1: Again, ads and pinups. Normally, they're dotted around, and they're just not, so... That's because they've got the Geep. Yeah, it's just slightly oddly kind of done this
0: issue, isn't it? I I always remember on magazines, especially American magazines, that the advert would always be the outer back page yeah. or the or the last mm. page on the inside, and yeah. normally it would be for something like trading cards or something like that. One yeah. of the things though, we're seeing all these adverts is part me interested in looking at some old Superman. Just yeah, it, it looks like the art's great. <laughs> I've always
1: struggled with Superman. I love comics, but Superman's just too clean cut for me. Although I do like Superman with Batman. Hmm. I love
2: Superman. Uh, Superman Red Sun is one of my favourites, which is a... Well, that's hardly normal, Superman. Red Sun. It's Superman as a baddie. Yeah, I know it's great, but I yeah. I also really like All Star Superman, which I know you hate. So, uh... oh, All Star Superman's diabolical. No, it's not. It's fucking great.
0: <laughs> no, it's so dated. Did either of you read the the John Cleese Superman where he he lands in Britain? No, no. Never you know, heard of this. It, it was after Red Sun. Right. Uh, they got John Cleese. This must have been the 80s, I think, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, they asked him to write one where Superman landed in, I think he lands in Western Supermare. Brilliant. Instead of Smallville. And it's him like trying to learn his powers, but uh, his British politeness kind of keeps him from being Superman because he feels too self-conscious. <laughs> So you can Fuck you can still sake. get it off like off Amazon and stuff. It's still I can't remember what it's called now, but it's yeah, it's, it's got the the Superman symbol in the middle of a union jack and apparently it's it's pretty funny. Fuck's sake. It, I can't imagine them doing an animated like they did an animated film of Red Sun. I can't imagine them doing that one. No. <laughs> Should we talk about the caption competition? Mm-hmm.
1: So it gives us the results of the second competition and announces the third. The winner wasn't funny, but a couple of the runner-ups were. <laughs> Superman, true Brit, by the way.
0: <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, I have heard
1: of Superman, true Brit. Just found it. And also the new. I'm, t- I'm going. We're not talking about Superman. We're talking about fucking Red Dwarf. <laughs> um, the new pick. It's a bit crap. It's just the evil cat, and evil rimmer from Angels and Demons, and I'm like, eh.
0: yeah. I've not been enamoured with the caption competition. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I do think that at the time, that visual of of Chris Barry in the full uh, bondage gear, isn't it? Pretty much to yeah to say I, that I remember. That must have been what? It, not even like te- between ten and like teenage years. Seeing that, I was like, what is that? <laughs> it's like the cat, I couldn't say, it's like, oh, he's, he looks like a feral feral beast and everything like that. And, you know, Rimmer and Lister, are, uh, Lister and Crichton are just sort of dirty versions of themselves. But it's like, bloody <laughs> hell, what is, what is Rimmer? This is wonderful. I don't think come on angels and Dem- the episode for angels and demons, but I'm looking forward to seeing how you analyse analyze <laughs> that. <laughs> Well,
1: yes, that's coming up in Series 5, which is a little bit later on in a month or so. So, yeah, that's it. What were your favourite things, Colin first? Oh, favourite thing, easily, the gape. That comic's
0: brilliant. I absolutely love it. Okay. Um, Carl? For me, it's actually the Grant Naylor interview. it, It just added a lot more detail into things and kind of, you know, re- told some stories I thought I already knew with a co- bit extra in it. The Geep was a close second, but the Grant Naylor interview definitely. And none of that would have been out
2: there at that point either. It's mm. true. There's been various stuff since then, but that this would have been the first place most people ever heard about, about it.
1: I'm going to agree with Colin on the Geep, but definitely an honourable mention to the name game. I really did laugh. And I'm sorry if you're putting a, a rimming joke in there, that I'm all about it. <laughs>
0: And so um, what was your least favourite, Carl? Putting the episode guide to one side like I did on the previous one, it's probably the caption competition. Okay, Colin? I'm not putting the episode guide to one side, it's the episode guide. It's the last one.
1: <laughs> I'm going to agree with both of you. The caption competition and the episode guide were both shite. So um, equal, equal for that. <laughs>
2: I'll have to think of something else next uh, tomorrow though, won't I? I know. <laughs> what are we going to do?
1: Perhaps none of it's rubbish. Yeah. We'll find out. It does seem really weird that there were less ads and pinups. You'd think that that would be something that would stay really consistent because you know you've got deals with advertisers and shit like that.
0: Yeah, I think with um, the fact that they've got a lot more material in this one, mm. and the quality's mm. higher than previous. Not that the previous issues have been complete rubbish, but the quality is much higher in in this one. I think than we've had so far that mm. um, they're just like, wrong, let's, you know, maybe maybe it was selling enough where they didn't have to take as many adverts because the first couple, there was a lot of adverts and pinups.
1: Yeah, good point.
2: They do say on the letters page, either in this one or in the next one for a spoiler for tomorrow, somebody asks about back issues and they say, yeah, you can get them from this address, but issues one and two are already sold out. So if they budgeted that if they sold every issue, then they cover what they need. Mm then they sold every issue. So if that was consistently happening, they may not need as many adverts. That does make sense. Yeah.
0: All
1: right. Before we go, we're going to do another random thing because we don't need to do like big kind of pluggy stuff at the end of every episode. So I'm going to ask you what your favourite cheese is. Colin, what's your favourite cheese? Feta. Good choice. Why? It's just mighty, but also I've got this uh, recipe called The
2: Meal, which I make, which has got loads of feta in it. In fact, it's an entire block of feta.
0: Nice.
1: Good. (laughs) Carl, what's your favourite cheese? I'm
2: going
0: to sound really uncultured
1: here, but I really like Edam. Nothing wrong with Edam. It's mild. It's the only cheese that's made backwards. What? <laughs> it's
0: the only cheese that's made backwards. Oh, for fuck's sake. That took me a while. <laughs> Although, I, I did try I have no idea what sort it was. But mutual friend of ours, uh, Matt Davis, who, who hosts um, SuperTat, he used to have a, a habit of just buying loads of random cheese. This was when he was chefing. And once I went round his house and we watched films and he just brought me a cheese board and one of them was just this like proper moulded cheese. And he said, what's that one? And he went, it's The Undertaker. <laughs> I looked at him and just sort of went, did you name that? He went, no. And, I, and it was delicious, but I have no idea what kind of style of cheese it was. <laughs> The reason why I asked this question, by the way,
1: was uh, I think I was about 25 at the time. I went to a wrestling convention and I got to meet 10 of the most famous wrestlers that have ever been. You know, those really expensive ones where you get a, you queue up for a signature and everything. Yeah, right. yeah, and I wanted them to remember me. This was before I was working in wrestling. So I asked people like Hulk Hogan and Kamala and Brutus the Barber Beefcake what their favorite cheese was and made a fucking list and put it online. <laughs> oh, I've always been a nerd. That's amazing. I, I, I'm i
2: guessing Hulk Hogan's was probably American cheese. I think it was Monterey
0: Jack, if my memory serves. That's fairly American. <laughs> That's probably because it's the only one you can say in his voice Monterey Jack. Monterey Jack. But I remember Kamala was like,
3: Oh uh, Cheddar, I'm sorry.
1: And I was like, <laughs> don't be sorry, you're fucking Kamala. Dude, you're the Ugandan giant and you're awesome. You can like Cheddar, that's your prerogative,
0: Kamala, if that is your real name. Kamala tried to stay in character but go, no, actually, I love me some brie. Let's <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did, uh, right, Legion of Doom had all them spikes, didn't they? Did they stick, like, little
1: cubes of cheddar and pineapple on the end of them? I mean, Legion of Doom were there and I did ask them both what their favourite cheese is. But funnily enough, they did not make cheese and pineapple with their spice. That's very disappointing. I know. I haven't said what my favourite cheese is, have I? You haven't. I am very fond of a blue cheese. And there's one that I've been eating a lot of recently called Black Sticks Blue. It's like a an orangey cheese with a little bit of blue in it. And it's just really, really smooth. And oh, it's fit. And Sainsbury's <laughs> have been stocking it recently, and um, yeah.
2: This isn't all a fucking precursor for you starting, Mark Adams, the cheese
0: cast, is it? Cheese cast! I'm, I mean, cheese cast would suit me, but no, I've got enough podcasts. <sighs> we'll get t-shirts and big hats that look like blocks of cheese. <laughs> Pick
2: a cheese.
1: Um. Yeah, oh, pick. mate, pick a cheese. Don't, no, no more podcasts for Mark. Right, that's it. I'm going. Right, so thank you for listening to Shipwrecked and Comatose. We're back tomorrow for the last time this week with issue seven. And until then, <laughs>
0: I've got it. Don't say the C word, but the C word is cheese. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, beautiful.
2: Shipwrecked and comatose. A red dwarf podcast was created and produced by Mark Adams and Kurt North. You can find us on Twitter at Red Dwarf Pod, and we are part of the We Made This Podcast Network, which can be found online at WeMadeThisPod.com or on Twitter at We Made This Pod. <laughs>
3: Hello, everyone. This is Tony, network chief of We Made This. As you know. Our podcast network brings together a brilliant assortment of talent who talk about all kinds of pop culture content, such as the episode you've just listened to. We're not going anywhere, but we'd love to keep the lights on for even longer if you're able to support our network on Patreon. For just £2 a month, you get your name in lights and the satisfaction of knowing you're helping us produce more great audio. And for £3 a month, You'll get your name in lights, but you'll also get access to an exclusive bi-monthly podcast from the We Made This talent pool on podcasting, pop culture, and, well, you tell us. We'll take your suggestions. For less than the price of a coffee per month, you can help keep We Made This going. Just head to patreon.com forward slash we made this. That's P A T R E O dot com forward slash we made this. And get the ball rolling. Elsewhere, and we made this the giddy carousel of pop. There's a little
2: bit with fan clubs, and there's uh, you're in good company there, Paul. There's Japan, Mm. The Beats, Spandau Ballet
0: again, and uh, the Fall Foundation, four two nine B Berry New Road, Salford Seven, Lancashire. So, if, if people had written to this, what would they have got in return? Can you remember?
3: Well, it's interesting you could say that because the, um, we did write back. We, we Basically,
2: every now and again, Mark would give us a few letters and say, write back to them. And one of the people who got a reply and who still got the letter, Stuart Lee, and uh, Bob Stanley, I he, I sent him a letter, apparently, so I'm, I'm led to believe later on. <laughs> I replied to his letter and sent him a letter and a poster, and he's still got the poster. He's lost the letter, though. So, I mean, I don't know how much we did reply, but there was no fan club then. I think the out a fan club later on the fall foundation was just write us a letter and we might send you one back I think that's that's as far as it went
3: <laughs> back to the decade however like just last week um Gore Verbinski announced he's going to return to animation with two films in the next three years that are like a similar style huh so we'll have to see how that goes why not Ringo? What's what's going on with Johnny Depp these days? Everything cool? Yeah, is he okay? I mean, he's... <laughs> There's nothing wrong with him, right? Life's milestones.
1: So tell me a favorite story about your childhood.
3: As I mentioned earlier, I've always been kind of immersed in books. My mother was the um, president of the local library friends group. So every, I think... Every spring and fall, they would have a huge book sale at the local library. And so starting from when I was eight years old, I was running up and down the basement stairs of the library, hauling books up to the uh, main floor for the book sale. And I always loved it because they would always let me have whatever I wanted, whatever book I wanted to make. So You know, by the time I'd leave, I had like three or four boxes worth of books to bring home. My room was full of bookshelves and I had a literal library in my childhood bedroom. Is that
1: something that you've continued as you've got older?
3: Oh yeah, I have thousands of books. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network.